right place So take a step back before I get all up in your face I know you got to live, you know I got mine But there's like 50 other dudes holding on the phone line Your voice will be heard, sir Next caller, please And if I don't concur, we can agree to disagree We're talking fantasies, sports, and FSP, doing what I gotta do because I do it for you all day every day. And uh, you know what? I'm in the middle of watching a movie, full disclosure, Michael Douglas and a young, a young Demi Moore. Now, I know this is supposed to be about sports and and machismo and all that. But right about now, I can't get my eyes off of this movie. I really can't. Uh, it's it, it's what it is. Nowadays, you have uh, the haves and the have-nots, and uh, who's in a position of power, and how they use that position, so to speak. Anyway, uh this is the area that the area that I, Vic, know uh, the most in, and that's the IDPs, Individual Defensive Players. Uh, this year, 2016, is it's going to be a lot of um, a lot of surprises as the NFL tries to shift to a more balanced um, area. Meaning, it's all about uh, it's been all about the offense, you know, airing the ball out, uh, lessening the effect of the running back. But people like David Johnson, Todd Gurley, and stuff like that, they're changing the way things are are done in the NFL. Uh, they're bringing it back to the running game, and when you bring back the running game you also bring back the impact of the middle linebacker. Now, you might say the middle linebacker has always been a part of the NFL or fantasy football and stuff like that. And you're right. However, there's always been a decline in the middle linebacker numbers as it comes to fantasy football. The outside linebacker is always covering the tight end. Why? Because they're throwing the ball to the tight end. Quarterbacks are not checking it down to the running back. They're pushing it downfield. And the best way to get the ball downfield is down the center when you see a cover two man or cover two uh, zone. And you can pop it right over the middle linebacker's head. Tampa two. That was one of the better defenses to defend against the pass if you had a solid middle linebacker. Well, when I give you my top 15 linebacker IDPs, we'll see just how many are middle linebackers and who is sitting at the top of my charts. Uh, Hopefully my guy, JT ATM money will be on today. Uh, If not, it's okay. I can ride solo. I prefer not to though. Um, We've got a lot in store. So without further ado, well, you know what? Let me, let me cut myself off real quick because Jerry's not on the show. Just yet, I want to talk about UFC 2000. And, I mean, 202. I, I said 2002 because I'm thinking of back in the day. At any rate, I just saw Fox Chaser. 
So it made me think about, you know, the evolution of MMA and all that other stuff. But uh, UFC 202 is going to be a stat card. Okay? Let's just talk about it. Mark Texreya versus Anthony Rumble Johnson. That's a main event normally to see who's going to fight Daniel Cromier. Got it. But we don't have uh, uh, that as a, as a finals. What we have is Nate Diaz taking on Conan McGregor. Conan McGregor, Irishman. Now listen, the first fight, if you didn't know, Nate Diaz uh, came in 10 days notice and choked out Conor McGregor. 10 days notice. Stockton's own. Now, I live in uh, California, in Dublin. It's not that far from Stockton. But the areas are vastly different. Uh, quick story. My wife and I went to go see Chris Rock. Not Chris Rock, excuse me. Um, Chris Tucker live at the Bob Hope Theater in Stockton, California. Now, it was midday. I want to say about mm, maybe about four, four or five-ish when we got there. Now, D.C. is a very, very um, busy place. Stockton, you would think it was very busy. As many police as I saw patrolling the area, I later learned that Stockton is a very dangerous area. Um, you got to, as Diaz, as the Diaz boys say, you got to scrap up in there. And it's not a place I want to buy a home. But regardless of that, let's talk about how Diaz McGregor 2 may shape up. Two things. Diaz, win or lose, he might make just as much money as Brock Lesnar did in his uh, return to the octagon at two UFC 200. Now, I'm not saying Nate's going to make $2 million off of this fight. He might. He might. The UFC is beginning to go the way of the, uh, of, of boxing, big money fights. Titles matter, but not as much. Conor McGregor has a a title in a totally different weight class in which he's fighting in. Okay? But at the same time, he's called out so many different people, and he wants to master every division and all this other mess, which is fine. It's fine. But when you take on somebody like Nate Diaz, who is a world-renowned Brazilian jiu-jitsu fighter but loves to stand and bang. That's that, uh, not Compton, Stockton mentality. You're going to get somebody that is willing to go blow for blow, toe-to-toe. That's what you're going to get. Now, McGregor, he's not a street fighter. He's not. He's a tactician. Not only is he a tactician, he's a very good uh, uh, trash talker who can hype a fight. And if you know, uh, the UFC was sold by Zufa to another organization, and the figurehead for that organization was on stage uh, for the weigh-ins between Diaz and and McGregor. And if you've heard or watched, 
there was bottles and fights and all this other stuff going on. Now, this is your new boss that you're doing this in front of. Whether it's staged, whether it's real, it doesn't matter. These guys seemingly do not like each other. This is not going five rounds. It might not go three. I'm just going to be honest with you. If if McGregor goes in there thinking he can slug with Diaz, who has a lot of scar tissue, so I know Diaz is going to bleed. I already know that. But the question is, is he going to get out uh, techniqued, so to speak, when he goes in there and he, and he, and he fights him? Because that's what's going to happen. It's going to be a fight. No, no doubt about it. Let's say the first round, second round is going to be, um, let me say, uh, uh, filling out process. That's what I'm looking for, a filling out process. They shouldn't, but it, it might. Round two is going to be all out war. I'm just telling you, it's going to be an all-out war. They're going to fight until they can't fight anymore. Just telling you. So, with that being said, this fight between Conor McGregor, Nate Diaz, I think it's going to be worth your hard-earned money. I really, really do. I hope it shows up as one of the uh, best fights because it's going to be one of the most watched fights. Dudes in Stockton and, 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 and rough guys all around are going to want to see these two go at it. And the card is pretty good. As I said, you've got Cowboy Cerrone going against uh, Devin Story. You've got uh, Texera going against uh, Rumble Johnson You've you've got uh, who else? Uh, Neil Magny going against Larkin should be a pretty good fight. You've got uh, oh my goodness, uh, Barnett. I think it's Barnett versus um, I can't remember the the other person's name. But you've got all this stuff left and right. This card is stacked with fighters. I'm talking about we're going to have just like decent scraps. I'm talking about fights. And for all my wrestling fans out there, CM Punk makes his first uh, appearance at UFC 203. Uh, It's going to be rough. It's going to be rough. But we shall see. Okay? Okay. Uh, enough of my MMA. I love my MMA. I really do. Uh, but I know JT ATM money is uh, probably waiting and 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 uh, listening, saying, "Victor, no, let's not. I don't want to hear about it. It's it's boring. It's boring. Let's get to something." Worthwhile and da 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 da. So what I'm gonna do? What I'm going to do is I'm gonna get to some football, just like this. Carrying the ball 20 times a game requires power and valor, not niftiness. The water bug and whippet backs rarely survive the wail and howl of the banshee. Stack defenses in the pros. They must meld the butt of a billy goat with a sudden surge of a sprinter. He does not move with polish or slickness. His method is not Grand Prix, but Demolition Derby. And with it being Demolition Derby, that means there's going to be some hitting and a lot of smacking going around. Now, here's something I want to talk about. Almost everyone in uh, football or in fantasy football wants to rank J.J. as the number one player defensive IDP. 
And if you listen to my defensive lineman um, IDP, you will understand that I have him ranked at number two. You might be saying, who else in the world can be ranked number one overall on your defensive line? And I'm telling you, it's Khalil Mack. The problem with that is Khalil Mack can be seen in two different positions. Khalil Mack is a linebacker as well as a defensive end. How does that affect you as an IDP? Well, linebacker-wise, I have him ranked outside of my top 15. The reason being is because Khalil Mack is not a traditional linebacker. Uh, he's like a Lawrence Taylor. So he's going to get down there and he's going to cause havoc. And then he can drop back and cover, actually. That's why the Raiders went out and got Bruce Irvin. Because Bruce Irvin is a straight up and down defensive end. He, he, I mean, he's not DN, but he's outside linebacker used as a DN. He will not be your classic drop back guy. Pete Carroll didn't use him that well, in well that way, uh, in Seattle. But in Oakland, believe me, he is going to rush a lot, meaning that Khalil Mack is going to have the back in the outfield, not in the outfield, in the flats or or cover him in any way, shape, or form that he comes out. It's going to be his responsibility, that or the tight end. With that being said, how much more difficult will it be for him to be uh, seen as a regular linebacker? Um, the, the men I'm about to mention will place before him. I'm going to start with an oldie but a goodie. And the reason why I say an oldie but a goodie is because this guy has seven years in the league and has had tons of surgeries. Tons. Okay? He's 33 years old. Talking about Thomas Davis last year, total of 105 tackles. Prior to that, 100. Then in 2013, 123 tackles. Uh, He's on the field. And when he's on the field, he's causing problems for the offense. He's a guy, despite his age, is protected by a great defensive front, which allows him to get to the ball carrier. Now, Thomas Davis, he can cover uh, a backer or a tight end, but typically he's going to be a, a running back, uh, cover somebody as a running back. Okay, Um, he's not going to be going down the field left and right and stuff like that. He's going to be in his 10 to 15 yard box, which means he's a banger. He's going to get those tackles. Now, another guy who's going to be a comeback player of the year on a defense side of the ball, I believe so. It's going to be Alex Ogletree. Now, I'm watching Hard Knocks, and Ogletree is is one of those guys that uh, he's coming off of an injury. So, last year he played four games. Only four games, had 42 total tackles and uh, two sacks, and he went down. So, he had a broken leg, cost Ogletree nearly all of 2015, and ultimately altered his position. Uh, The Rams, like former safety Mark Barron, so much at weak side linebacker after Ogletree went down that they re-signed him to start there and shifted Ogletree to outside linebacker. The switch can hurt Ogletree's tackle opportunities, especially behind arguably the league's best D-tackle group. Few linebackers match Ogletree's upside in the big play categories. And here's what I'm going to tell you. Mark Barron, former strong safety, which is cool, so we can hit, 
if you recall the freak Javon Curse at Florida, he was a strong safety. I believe his first, his senior, I mean, his first year. Then his sophomore year, they began to transition him down to linebacker. By the time he was a junior and I believe ultimately a senior, he went to DN. Mark Barron has that hitting and instinct ability to do so. Now, will they pack uh, his frame? He's only 213 pounds. He's only 213. Playing weak side linebacker, which is okay because he can run with, with a, a running back, but he's not going to bring much with him when he uh, has to come and run support. So I really think he might shift back up to uh, to strong safety. And Alec Ogletree will take his position back. So honestly, I think he's there. Now a guy who I don't like, but I like. Let me see. How can I say this? I hate him because he's a cowboy, but I like him because he has the opportunity uh, to get on the field and do a lot of things, which he does. He does a lot of great stuff. Talking about Sean Lee. Sean Lee is a wonderful, wonderful uh, player that in my uh, uh, opinion, when healthy, can be a extremely, extremely dangerous player. Last year, 14 games. Listen to this. 14 games, 128 total tackles in 14 games, okay? In 11 games in 2013, 99 tackles. The problem is this. He's injury prone. He didn't play any of 2014. But with half of the Dallas Cowboys Defense already looking at a four to five game suspension. It's it's very very likely that Sean Lee is going to get uh, close to 128 total tackles again if he stays healthy for all 16 games. Okay, habit number 13. Moving forward, this guy right here was a rookie last year. Um, he finished uh, three straight weeks at top 24 level fantasy production uh, before losing the season's final four games to a PD suspension on Anderson. This guy's a 10 plus tackle type dude. He did it five of his final six outings last year, 93 total tackles, three sacks, two interceptions, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, nine Pass defensed. Quan Alexander. Tampa Bay has a young nucleus of uh, of talent down there, and it, it, it's going to show. It's going to show. Trust me when I tell you this. All right. Um, now this guy I have at number eleven because of two things. One. He's a tackling machine, but he never, ever is able to cover a back or a tight end. And I, I've drafted him many, many times. And I stopped doing it, uh, I want to say, like two or three years ago when all the offenses wanted to do was pass the ball. And I'm talking about the Quill Jackson. The Quill Jackson um is a beast. He he just is. You're going to say how can I have him at number 11 when he has these, this type of production? Listen to what I'm telling you. Only one person had more tackles than Jackson in the past 3 years. Only one. And I'm going to get to that person, but listen to this stat line. 2013, 
141 tackles. 2014, 140 tackles. Last year, 2015, 150 tackles. Three sacks, one interception, one forced fumble, excuse me, nine pass defense, and one um, touchdown. This guy is straight up and down a beast. Ten years in the league, 32 years old, he may become, uh, and I might be wrong, he may become a top five player. May become a top five player with those types of numbers. You've got to give him credit. He's one of those dudes that he finds the ball. The problem that I see covering the back out of the backfield or covering the tight end. He gets beat routinely. But here's here's a good sign if you're looking at uh, getting Dequil Jackson as an IDP. He's going to face the Tennessee Titans, who are going to run the ball like crazy with DeMarco Murray. He's going to face the Indianapolis Colts, who want to establish the run to help Andrew Luck. He's going to face the Jacksonville Jaguars who love to run the rock. Even though they have a three-headed monster now, uh, you know, at the back receiver and quarterback position, they still went out and got Chris Ivory. Chris Ivory isn't your typical pass-catching running back. He's a bruiser. This fits in well for DeQuill Jackson. It really does. But I have him outside of my top ten because he's not that good of a pass defender. Yes, he has nine pass defensed, but uh, just not that great at that for me. A guy that a lot of folks are are saying, okay, well, you know what, Vic? You might not want to put him here. My number 10 guy, my number 10 guy is Malcolm Smith. Malcolm Smith left Seattle a couple years ago, and last year, had a great season for the uh, Oakland Raiders. Last year, he had 122 total tackles, four sacks, one interception, two forced fumbles, six pass defense. This kid knows where the ball is. Now, remember, you're pairing him with Khalil Mack as a pass rusher and Bruce Irving, who he played with up in Seattle, on the other side, Michael Smith can get around the ball. Now, this kid's uh, 27 years old. 27. In his prime. He knows where the ball is. Stays on the field. That's key for a defensive player. You can't have somebody that's going to uh, bounce in and out at all times of the game, especially in crucial defensive situations. You can't do it. You need somebody that's going to uh, uh, be there for you when you need someone. Seriously. He is one. Now, Let's move on. Number nine. Another oldie but goodie. If he stays uh, healthy, he's another guy that that finds the the football player, I mean the, the, the ball carrier, all the time. All the time. Paul Puzlesny, Jacksonville Jaguars. Last year, 14 games, 133 total tackles, one sack, three interceptions, six pass defenses. Now, listen, that was without having uh, the top draft pick. This year, 
He's going to have him and their newest top draft pick to help him. Paul Pluslesny is going to have an opportunity to get in, 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 in the backfield and, and wreak havoc. He just will. Trust me. Paul Pluslesny, number nine on my list. Number eight, Derek Johnson. I've always loved Derek Johnson. Now, he had some issues uh, in 2014 where he only played one game. Um, injuries, injuries, injuries. Torres ACL, uh, Achilles tendon. Um, but came back last year, totaled 116 total tackles. Four sacks, two interceptions, two forced fumbles, eight pass defense. Now, here's another guy that shows up when you need him. Tom Bali, Chris Houston on, on the edges, him in the middle uh, with a decent secondary. When I say decent, remember, two of my top ten uh, defensive backs were Kansas City Chiefs. Just remember that. That helps Derek Johnson. Uh, when it comes to covering the back or making tackles. It really does. Moving along, uh, a guy, third year in the league, but he's proven to have the ability to find the ball. And I think he's going to do well, especially with the move to a 4-3 base defense. So there's not going to be a bunch of people getting to him, meaning there won't be a bunch of of guards or or tackles getting to him. So C.J. Mosley, 117 total tackles, four sacks, one forced fumble, two fumble recoveries, seven pass defense, and one touchdown. So you've got that in a young guy that's going to play middle linebacker and he's going to do damage another young man who I, I really think should be up in here, but I changed my, my my rankings because I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if Daryl Smith is, is going to be um, – a big impact for the Ravens this year. Because I honestly think that C.J. Mosley is is the better of the two. Younger. Um, both have an eye for the for the football and the and the ball carrier. But you know, which one is going to be the better one? I think it's C.J. Mosley. I really think it's C.J. Mosley. Now to a guy at number six for me, a guy that I think is outstanding. He was a rookie. And he wasn't even supposed to be the one to get all the glitz and glamour. But he did. Everybody's looking at Anthony Barr, the guy in Minnesota. Barr is good. But Eric Kendricks was better. Eric Kendricks is my number six guy. Played 14 games last year. 92 total tackles, four sacks, one pass defense. Now, here's, here's the thing. I honestly believe with that nasty, nasty defense in Minnesota, in a dome, the new stadium, Kendrick is going to be a monster. And Anthony Barr will have a lot to do with that, but Kendrick will reap more of the benefits. He just will. In 12 games, after taking over uh, the middle linebacker position as a rookie, he got 115 tackles. Uh, that's That's 
Excuse me, that's not right. Uh, I messed up. Sorry, guys. Uh, he was on pace to hit 115 tackles. That's what it was. Didn't get 115. Got 92. Two games short of a full season. But remember, he took over after just two games and got 92. So let's extrapolate that out. What, another 20 tackles, 10 tackles a game? The kid was on pace to be a monster. Now, to my top five. Let's go there. Jamie Collins. Will Jamie Collins benefit or get hurt from Chandler Jones to Arizona? I'm looking at it in two ways. I think he's going to stand up and stand out. Wow. Sorry, guys. I really think he is. He's going to stand up and stand out. Chandler Jones was and is a beast. Chandler Jones went to Arizona, and he's going to be a monster, a straight monster in Arizona, which means Jamie Collins needs to do the same thing now that he's riding solo up there in New England. Belichick can put together a defense that is awesome. He doesn't need a bunch of stars. But Jamie Collins last year had 89 total tackles, five and a half sacks, one interception, five forced, I'm telling you, five forced fumbles. One fumble recovery, six pass defense, and one touchdown. You got to understand something. You, you, you really got to understand something. If he's forcing fumbles, that means he's around the ball and he's knocking people out. Let's see what happens when he doesn't have his partner in crime. I think he's going to be a top five linebacker this year. One person who I had in my top five uh, or my top player last year was, um, I don't even have him in my top 20 this year, was Cameron Wake. But uh, I honestly think that uh, Jamie Collins could be my Cameron Wake this year if he does not uh, follow through on some of the things that I think he can do. So I'm going to tell you, take Jamie Collins with a grain of salt. Very, very positive guy. I mean, he's going to go up, but uh, where's he going to get the push? Where's he going to get the help that he needs? That's that's the one concern I have about him. But in my top five, because I really believe he has that much potential. Now, number four. I had a Jacksonville Jaguar uh, listed at number nine um, or number eight. Yeah, number nine. I'm sorry. I got another one for you. Telvin Smith. Telvin Smith missed the last two games of the season, and he still had 128 total tackles. Two and a half sacks, one interception, two forced fumbles, seven pass defense, and a touchdown. Listen to what I'm telling you. Jacksonville will be no joke when it comes to defense. I'm telling you. They've got all this great talent down there. The offense is where they needed to step up. They began to do it last year. They'll do it again this year. As I really think they're going to fight for the top spot in the AFC South. I really believe they will. Um, But Telvin Smith is one of the reasons he and Paul Puzlesny 
are are two big reasons as to why they do what they do. Um, now, Miles Jack, great pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars, but right now, Miles Jack doesn't threaten Telvin's ability to get the job done. He doesn't, at least not this year. Okay, so get Telvin Smith with confidence. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to number my top three. My top three are oldies but goodies, but they might not be in the, in the position that you might have them. My guy, I, I, I love with, with a passion, is going to be on the field a lot. A lot this year. He came back from a very serious uh, injury in the playoffs in 2014 to accumulate 154 total tackles, two and a half sacks, one forced fumble, and two pass defense last year under uh, Tom Sula. I'm talking about Navarro Bowman. And you know what? He surprised me because with all the players that left San Francisco, I didn't think he was going to be able to pull it off um, the way he did individually. Trust me when I tell you this. He's going to have many, many opportunities to pull off tackles this year with Chip Kelly's offense trying to get the ball, you know, down the field as quick as possible. He's going to try it. He is going to try it. The thing about it is, I'm not sure if he'll be successful. And that means that Navarro Bowman will, and the defense, and the defense, will be on the field a ton of times and have plenty of opportunities to make plays. That bodes well individually, but extremely poorly for a group defense. So I want you to follow my logic. Navarro Bowman will have many, many, many opportunities to make tackles. And I believe he will. I really do. You can look at the Eagles players last year. Uh, Michael Kendricks. Michael Kendricks didn't get as many tackles as he probably should have. But he had what? Michael Kendrick had 86 total tackles, three sacks, one forced fumble, and three pass defense last year. He's nowhere near, you know, Navarro Bowman, but he's productive, right? Jordan Kendrick, I mean, Jordan Hicks, 50 total tackles in eight games, okay? One sack, two interceptions, one forced fumble, three fumble recoveries, three pass defense, and a touchdown. So two linebackers for Philly produce what Navarro Bowman can do in one year in that system. So I guarantee you, Navarro Bowman will be a top, if not the top, backer. Okay? That'll happen. It's going to happen. Number two. Now, some people have this guy. This is their number one. And I can't blame him. I really can't. Last year, uh, he didn't disappoint. He stayed on par. On par with his stats. You don't get much more consistent than this. 144 total tackles in 2013. 146 total tackles in 2014. 147 total tackles in 2015. You don't get much better than that. Stat line. Uh, last year, three sacks, three interceptions, two forced fumbles, two uh, from recoveries, 13 pass defense, and a touchdown. Levante David had more pass defense than some DBs. That, that's, that's a fact. 
That is a fact. Levante David, my number. Well, you know what? Just to, to, to prove something to you about Levante David, in 2013, he had 106 solo tackles. 2014, 101 solo tackles. Now, last year, he only had 85 solo tackles. But think about this. Some of the players that I have behind him, they totaled like 90 tackles. Think about that. Think about that. Now, of course, my number one guy, a lot of people have already got him number one and should have him number one, is Luke Keekley. I started this list with a Panther and Thomas Davis. I'm going to end it with a Panther and Luke Keekley. Last year was an off year for Keekley, and he had 118 tackles off year. So let's go down his numbers. 2013, 156. 2014, 153, last year 118. But here's where he's even more valuable as as a uh, as the best IDP at the linebacker position. He had one sack, four interceptions, two forced fumbles, one fumble recovery, ten pass defense and a touchdown. Now listen. When your middle linebacker has four interceptions, he's playing the ball. And he's in coverage. He's doing a bunch of great things for your team. Luke Keekley. And I'm gonna tell you, in my leagues, well a couple of my leagues actually, where I drafted uh really well last year I was able to get both J.J. Watt and Luke Keekley. And in one league, I had Luke Keekley, Levante David, and J.J. Watt. Now, that league, IDPs were my best players, to be honest, because my offense suffered. Um, a lot of guys disappointed and got injured last year. Andrew Luck, Shady McCoy, people like that. But you would think – that you have the dream team of defense when you have Levante David, Luke Cookley, uh, as well as J.J. Watt. I did. I thought I did anyway. But this year, again, Luke will not disappoint. I think he's going to get about 140 tackles total. Um, and, again, when you're looking at these IDPs, especially at the linebacker position, Look at how many solo tackles they've made. They can be in on a bunch of tackles, yes. But solo tackles is what makes them special, okay? That's what you want to do. That's what you want to look at. Uh, That's going to complete my list of IDPs for the linebacker position. Uh, I believe if you get any one or two of those players – in your drafts, you will not be disappointed. And they'll put up numbers similar to your tight end uh, on a weekly basis. You know, maybe seven to eight points. And you'll be very successful and very happy that you got them. All right? I just got word that JT will not be joining us. So I normally have a little banter with him, and we talk about some stuff during the show. Um, But he's not going to be able to show up today. And that's fine. I love him. That's my dude. He's there for me all the time. So no complaints here. But with that being said, we're going to end this show a lot earlier than we normally would. Okay? The reason being is I don't want to keep talking and talking and no one's here to talk to me. So you know what? I'm going to give myself this. A round of applause for Mr. FSP to you because I do what I do and I do it well always for you. Um, I'm going to tell you next week, 
We may have our live draft on air. It should be going down. It's going down for real. And we'll be doing it uh, for ESPN. Hopefully, we'll see. Uh, we got to get stuff ready. NFL season's right around the corner. Preseason games are getting to their cuts and all that. Enjoy them, as well as the Olympics. And don't forget to catch UFC 202 later tonight as Nate Diaz takes on Conor McGregor. And again, I think uh, Diaz is going to win. But if he loses, he's going to have one hell of a payday. One hell of a payday. And then, and then it's going to be McGregor Diaz 3. Probably at the end of the year or beginning of the new year. But hey, it's a draw, people. They make money that way. My Conor McGregor voice. Anyway, I want to tell you guys, have a great weekend. Be safe. Don't be sorry. And y'all need to watch Disclosure with Demi Moore. Especially if, you know, you're getting harassed at the workplace and it's not your normal harassment. But, you know, hey, it is what it is. I will talk to you guys next week. See you when I see you. Out. Fantasy sports and politics. You want to talk smack? You in the right place. So take a step back before I get all up in your face. I know you got to live. You know I got mine. But there's like 50 other dudes holding on the phone line. Your voice will be heard, sir. Next caller, please. And if I don't concur, we can agree to disagree. We talking fantasy sports and